I had a chance to talk to Adam Bradley and Matt Netko from Ionic. Adam Bradley is a co-creator of Ionic, uh, director of open source. Matt Netko is senior product evangelist at Ionic. I learned much from the discussion and I hope you enjoy this interview. Adam Bradley and Martinetko, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. All right. Uh, so uh, I'll start with you, Adam. What do you do? I, I read on the site, uh, your website, that you are the director of open source technology. What's that? <laughs> yeah, so that's a great <laughs> question. What do I do? Um, so largely, I, I work with Ionic, where I'm focused on just doing the open source um, development side of things. So um, that would be Ionic, um, Capacitor, and Stencil. And so my mission is to um, make cool software that's free to use, MIT licensed, and um, let anyone use it. Um, so, you know, I, I absolutely love my job that I'm able to just kind of uh, invent and work with some awesome um, developers on, on, on it. So there's a team of us for about, uh, see, five or six on the team. Um, and, yeah, right now we're in the transition of uh, um, creating Ionic 4, and um, kind of a, making it um, work off of web components and allow it to, you know, expand it rather than just Angular, but to also uh, open it up to most of the web development community. So um, that's largely what we've been focused on the last couple months, um, and we're really excited to be getting the uh, the V4 version out pretty soon here. Yeah, I look forward to that. Uh, but uh, one thing, uh, I'd like to know the history of Ionic. How did it start? Who created sure. it? Uh, yeah. yeah, because some of us don't know the history well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love this. I love talking about the history of Ionic. So um, I actually got to know Max and Ben um, about five years ago, around 2013, and they were working on a project called Codica. And Codica uh, was a jQuery mobile drag and drop uh, interface builder, and um, it was pretty successful and did very well. And they, they were looking for, you know, more help with it. And so I quickly came on because, you know, I love working with those guys. And uh, the project they had was pretty awesome. And so for, you know, a half year, the three of us um, worked on Kodika um, exclusively and uh, and made it, you know, continue to make it better for our customers. Um, but eventually we hit this wall where our customers wanted it to be, you know, we wanted to act more like an app. We don't want it to be just a, um, you know, the, the jQuery mobile interface. We want to do this. We want the tabs to to have a different stack navigation. We want the transition to be prettier. We want, you know, to fix these bugs. And and so it became more and more of the customers keep saying, like, well, this is great, but we want more. It's not very app-like. It's not just like the apps that we have in our phones. Um, and so we we fought with it for, for quite a while, and eventually we decided to um, put the jQuery mobile part of it on pause, and we would try something different where we could try to build an, an 
a framework that would be just like you know a native app um, and how they work, specifically the transitions and, and how it looks and um, every, the look and feel of it, the gestures, everything about an, a native app that we felt was missing that, that absolutely is doable with HTML, it just wasn't being done. And so we, we took a month or two off of Kodaka to, to work on this and um, uh, quickly came up with Ionic, or what became Ionic. And uh, the very first commits, if you were to look at it, you'd see that the very first commits were, um, we wanted to work with everything. We wanted to work with Ember, um, Backbone, and jQuery, and you name yeah, it, you the yeah, framework of the, yeah. of the time. <laughs> that was the original goal, was to do, work with all of them. Um, well, we quickly realized that's a lot of work. <laughs> so within a week, yeah. we decided to go with uh, the, our favorite one, which at the time was Angular 1 or Angular JS. And this is around 2013, 2014. Um, and so, yeah, we, we quickly, you know, gravitated towards Angular because it was, you know, it's a, it was a great framework or it is. And, and, you know, a lot of, a large community was there and there just wasn't a, like a UI framework really built around Angular, um, especially at that time. And so, um, that was huge for us. It, it really exploded once we, you know, throughout 2014, 2015. And, um, Ionic itself exploded with, with Angular 1. Um, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, as, as things continue to go, um, you know, React came out. Um, and then React Native came out. And then Angular 2 yeah. came out. Um, and so with all those changes coming out, you know, we couldn't just stick with Angular 1. We wanted to make sure that we were, you know, Building the latest and greatest for the developers so that they can continue to use the latest and greatest. Um, and so that's when we, we started working on Ionic 2, uh, and that was going to be based off Angular 2. Um, and so we released that, I think 2015 or 16, maybe 16. Um, and then also Ionic 3 is, is also largely, uh, I think off Angular 4 and 5. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's kind of catching us up to, you know, about last year of where we had, um, Ionic based off of you know, the latest version of Angular. And it works great, you know, so we've got Ionic 3 that, that we still support and, and it works great. Um, but there are still some shortcomings with Ionic and that was that we just built this whole thing for just Angular developers, um, which is great. It's a huge community, great community. Um, but we also recognize that not everyone is an Angular, you know, Angular 6 user, you know, there's, there's quite a few people out there. And we also enjoy the simplicity of, you know, back to, jQuery and really the simplicity of what uh, Kodaka did provide where you just added a script tag and now all of a sudden your buttons look great. Um, so we yeah. kind of wanted to, to do that again or we've always wanted to do that because we've seen over the last five years and I, I feel anyways that uh, web development has gotten really, really complex over over the last couple of years, you know, and build tools continue to get bigger and slower and um, you get more locked into certain things. So we wanted to try to step away from that as best we could and and really step back and, and reevaluate what is, what is Ionic supposed to be? And if you go back to our original days, we wanted to make sure that yeah. Ionic could be used in any framework or no framework at all. And it's as simple as adding the script tag. Um, or you can go the other direction and, and, you know, put it inside of Webpack or Rollup or Parcel Builds and have it inside of React app or Ember app. It really doesn't matter. So, um, we, we felt that, you know, about last summer, we, we wanted to reevaluate that, everything about that. And rather than building to just Angular, um, we wanted to make sure it could build for everyone. And that is great timing for where web components came in. Um, and I think what, uh, what really, what really tipped the scales for web components was when last summer, uh, 
iOS started to ship uh, native custom elements within their browser, within um, Safari. And Safari, once Safari yes. was on board, yep, Safari was on board with custom elements and shadow DOMs and even uh, CSS variables, there was no reason not to, because um, now we have this common component model that's um, universal across all the all the browsers and it's polyfillable. Um, so that was our that was our big like aha moment of like, well, we could actually make Ionic do that, and then our Ionic Angular version, which there are many, many users up to still today, um, we can we can port them over to use, you know, this is all under the hood changes. Um, but Ionic Angular 4 is still pretty much the same thing as Ionic Angular 3. Um, how you use it, um, the properties, the, the inputs, outputs, events, everything is pretty much the same. Um, except deep under the hood, we, we don't, we didn't build build our components with Angular. We built it with web components. Uh, more specifically, we built it with Stencil, um, which is really just a tool for ourselves to make doing this a lot easier. Um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of brings us to today, where we're, um, we're still shipping Ionic Angular um, with, you know, just as high quality, if not, or much better than Ionic 3. Um, but at the same time, all the work that we're putting into our components is scalable to all the different frameworks or no framework at all. And so, you know, 95% of our work is, you know, universal work where it's just like CSS and divs and some JavaScript. And that last 5% are some wrappers to certain um, uh, different frameworks. So we've already got Ionic Angular out there and beta is being tested right now. Um, we already have Ionic View is being heavily worked on um, and we're hoping to have that out in the next few months. And we're just going to start kicking off Ionic React here um, in the next week. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun because, again, like the... The hard part is in the component. You know, like you, you look at all the different component uh, UI libraries out there. There's how many different material design UI libraries are there for um, each different framework, even though that they're they're pretty much doing the same button. Um, that's what we wanted to avoid because you know something that kept coming up over and over again is um, we love Ionic, but we want to use it in all of our projects, or we want to use it in our Ember project, or something like that. And so we're able to kind of pull that off, and so. Um, yeah, we're really excited to get four out and to really start supporting even more frameworks. Um, all while all of our, you know, hard work is is scalable. You know, it's the hard work is in the web component, not so much the frameworks component. Okay. So um, I, I I saw the tweets today about uh, the Ionic React uh, started off soon. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Is there a repository that we can take a look at? Uh, to going to retorts. Uh. Um, this this at the time of this um, airing, no. Uh, it's but it's all going to be done in a branch inside of the Ionic repo. So if you look at the root of the Ionic repo, you'll see that there's core, Angular. Um, there's a PR we're working on for Vue, and then React will be another one. Um, and really, all that's going to be is just uh, is a thin wrapper to make. You know, like ion button as a web component, so it's all lowercase with a dash in between ion and button. In the React world, in the React ecosystem, they would expect it to be um, capital I, one word, and capital B. Um, and so we're going to make sure that Ionic React fits exactly how a React developer would expect it. And like in, inside of their ecosystem, there's nothing crazy about it. It works like a React component. It's still got the events and properties. Everything is identical. And so we're going to do that. That is kind of the, the thin layer we need to put on top of the Ionic Core, which Ionic Core is just you know raw um, web components. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, what about stencil and capacitor? What was the progress there? 
Yeah, so um, with Stencil, it really is a project we built for ourselves to maintain Ionic. Um, right now, I think we're sitting at around 100 different components. Um, it has to work for both material design and iOS. Uh, we've got, you know, five or six diff different developers throughout the world working on it. Um, and then we've got, last count, I think five million apps have been built with Ionic. So it's very difficult to, um, to make any changes without breaking many people's apps or, you know, working as a team and, and getting all this stuff, different stuff accomplished. So you absolutely can build web components without stencil. So that, so don't get me wrong there. Um, yeah. but we built this for ourselves to make sure it's easy to maintain this thing, to help it, you know, self-document itself, to have great unit tests, to be able to throw errors when stuff doesn't, you know, um, pixels don't match anymore, when uh, um, all sorts of unit testing behind everything so that as a team we can, you know, be very confident that nothing is going to break and that um, also so that everything is lazy loaded and very, very, very fast. Um, so the challenges we've had with Ionic um, in the past was that its core size was quite large, and that's because it didn't really tree shake or, you know, tree shake very well. And that was because of how Webpack bundling worked. Um, Webpack has gotten better over time, but it's still kind of a challenge on the developer to figure all this stuff out. Um, and also, you know, fast forward to today, ES modules, dynamic imports, um, a lot of great things are already baked directly in the browser now that a lot of the older way of doing tooling, like kind of legacy way of bundling, isn't required anymore. And so with Stencil, we're able to take take advantage of all that stuff um, automatically without having to, you know, manually hard code all this stuff for every single component as we move along for all of our developers. But let Stencil kind of do all the heavy lifting. Um, and so if we find an improvement, we have a, a something that we can make faster, we, we learn a new API, we can fix it in Stencil, and then all of our components magically, you know, inherit it. Meanwhile, okay. the users never see a difference. The users just see, I upgraded and now it's faster. Um, and so we always want to make sure that that public API is, is you know, solidified and works well, mean, but at the same time, we're, you know, thoroughly testing our components and making them faster with each stencil upgrade. Okay, okay. Uh, so what about capacitor? Capacitor, yeah. yeah. Capacitor is... <laughs> Spencer is also really cool. You know, this has pretty much been led by Max, Max Lynch. Um, you know, and again, you know, we build all of our, we've traditionally always built on top of Cordova um, as been our solution because, you know, we want people to be able to, to put their apps inside of the App Store or Play Store. And so to do that, you need uh, Cordova, which is just a, basically a thin layer um, around a web page um, that turns it into an app. Um, but at the same end of the day, Ionic just builds, you know, HTML files. It just builds a, a normal um, web page. Um, and Cordova is what turns that web page into an app. Um, but at the same time, Cordova doesn't really need to provide too much. It really is just kind of a big app with a web view. Um, it's just a, you know, it's it's an app that's a browser without, you know, the um, the toolbar and back button, stuff like that. And so, um, you know, we've always used Cordova and we think it's great. But we realized it was probably with this, its CLI and over time it's kind of collected a lot of baggage and um, it's been very difficult to maintain. So we often, you know, you know, get frustrated users of saying, you know, Ionic is, is hard to use, but it points to it being Cordova. It's not necessarily our CSS and JavaScript. It's the fact that Cordova can be very difficult to use, especially through just a CLI, as in, um, you know, Cordova.prepare or build or something like that. 
does a lot of magic under the hood where it's trying to magically fire up Xcode and um, Android, uh, um, all the different CLI versions of how to build an app, and that stuff is very brittle. And over time, it just continues yeah. to break, and we're yeah. spending a lot of time um, keeping trying to notify Cordova where the issues are and what's what the what the challenges are. And I kind of place this on um, it's kind of the CLI and trying to just make it a magic black box to um, integrate with Android and um, and Xcode. So we wanted to, again, like reevaluate that, take a step back of like, all right, what are we really doing? We're, it's really just a web view. That's a app, you know, this, this try to simplify this and like it's, and it, and it wants to have a, a certain way to, you know, use the, the native calls through um, just posting messages back and forth between the, the JavaScript world and the native world. And so if you think of it that way, there's, there's not too much that it needs to do. Um, minus you need um, Xcode to be able to build it and, or Android Studio. So the big difference between Cordova and Capacitor is that we, um, we're really letting the actual tools that build those apps um, still take charge. And so um, still let Android Studio, you know, you press the play button, Android Studio, and it fires up the device emulator for you or, you know, an Xcode, same thing. And if you can't get something to work, you're confused on how to get Android Studio to, to work. Um, there's nothing about a billion resources and Stack Overflow of things all over the web of how to build apps in just um, just Android Studio or Xcode. So uh, really, Capacitor is kind of stepping back from trying to provide this magical CLI that just does everything, um, and you just hope that it works, versus kind of providing this this little layer, this little app that um, is just a web view and has this kind of this way to, to communicate between each other and kind of a simpler um, plugin system. And and if you try it out, you know, we're pretty happy with where it's at and we're hoping to in the next month kind of do an official release with it. Um, we know it's gotten a lot of great attention um, this last couple of months and quite a few people are starting to use it. Um, so we're really proud with, with where it's at and um, and also kind of the simplicity we're able to bring with uh, Capacitor. And, and again, it's, it's just an app that, you know, shows a web view. Um, and so by just doing that, a lot of the headaches that, that traditionally has been with Cordova is removed now because now it's on, you know, Android play button to do it, uh, or Android studio, you know, debug or uh, Xcode debug. All that stuff is kind of handled for you in these tools that are already built for that rather than trying to play catch up constantly. So. And let me just, let me just add Adam that uh, as a, developer that's worked on Cordova projects for about five years myself. I'm super pumped for it. Um, again, to underline his point, it, it's never been Ionic at fault here with the tooling problems. It's been Cordova or similar, similar types of tools, right? And so, you know, with that kind of approach, I think we're really excited for the future, coupled with what, you know, building framework v4 as web components is just those, yeah. those two things together are just going to allow us to do some incredible things and allow our developers and customers to do some great things. Yep, and and Capacitor doesn't have to be only used with Ionic. Um, so that's another thing, like, it's just like Cordova, you could you could throw any you know web page inside of there, anything that you're working on. But that said, because it is a project of ours, we're able to ensure that Ionic, um, Capacitor, Stencil, all of them work beautifully together. Um, we've already made, you know, we've already have like the framework team and the Capacitor team working um, quite well together where we need to be able to you know, do X, and then we're able to implement it that day. And so it, it's nice to, to have that control to make Ionic development even easier. Okay. Matt, let me 
Let me ask you, uh, can you tell us about uh, the products and services Ionic provides, uh, apart from the framework and the uh, tools that, 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 that we know about? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, just a quick note about me, I'm um, just joined the company. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry about that. I should have asked you <laughs> what you do uh, at Ionic. So, so tell us, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, sure thing. So I am um, Ionic's new senior product evangelist for um, our growing marketing team. And I, what's really interesting about that and the new role for me is I come from a traditional developer background myself. Um, been writing code for about 12 years and have a lot of different types of development roles and consulting background. Um, and interestingly, traditionally, I've, I've done a lot more back-end development with .NET, C Sharp, and, and um, Azure and those traditional tech, you know, kind of technologies. And now I'm kind of moving into more, of course, with Ionic, more front-end tooling and mobile mobile services, and now Ionic Pro. So um, where that had kind of come about is I, as I kind of mentioned, I long ago when when starting to learn JavaScript when that was you know coming up, and of course, pretty much dominates the world now, and it's I mean I'm something it's like the number one language. <laughs> And probably will be for a long time, um, uh, especially, you know, with us extending it beyond the web, which is so, so awesome. Um, you know, I, I had got, I had done a lot with, you know, my day job and, and, um, building web apps and web pages, but wanted to, uh, build mobile apps. So at the time I found some other frameworks and Cordova and had gotten into that and had always been following the Ionic team and loved what they were doing. And so, Flash forward today, and here I am. And in this kind of role, it's a little different. I'm, I'm um, much, much less writing code and doing a lot more writing and marketing and promoting of things and and social media and things like that. But also still staying close to the product and uh, you know giving feedback and working with our customers. So I'm really excited to to be talking to you, Jalome, and and everyone else. So on that note, um, kind of going off of what Adam said about we. Ionic is is really focused on providing, you know, as we as we keep going uh, into 2019, you know, providing that that cohesive, excellent experience um, for your apps across, you know, one code base and multiple platforms, right? So yeah. all these tools, kind of, again, as he said, I like that cohesively working together is excellent. And to kind of extend on that for for teams. And enterprises that are building um, Ionic apps and really want to take their uh, these apps to the next level, we have our Ionic Pro uh, mobile app development platform. And what this does is uh, augments a lot of our free and open source tools with a bunch of different cloud cloud-based services, and can be used again for teams and other enterprises to make their apps uh, you know a lot. Um, better and fully supported, and so I'll kind of talk about at a high level, and you can ask me any questions, of course, um, at any time about them, but we have several major services surrounding that. Um, Ionic Deploy, Package, and Monitor, and um, let's start with kind of Deploy. So oftentimes, um, actually, no, let's talk about Package. So the, you know, going back to, again, why we're Looking at and building out capacitor, you know, as acting as um, building upon the, the the history of Cordova and the baseline work they've done. Um, 
as Adam kind of mentioned, the tooling there, when you're talking about building Android apps, iOS apps, and other types of native apps, can be really rough. You know, the, the um, mobile operating systems change frequently, just like any other types of software. And when you're talking about multiple layers and, and tooling that you have to put together to build these types of apps, it's it's hard with your average day-to-day developer to keep up with changes and, and breaking things that happen, right? We have so much going on as you're, as you're working for a team and a company or a startup, really anyone, that you don't want to have to worry about your tooling breaking every month or two when you go back to build, um, rebuild your app, right? Add new features and you need to repackage it as the native side. So the idea behind Ionic Package is we take care of um, managing those native builds for you just in the cloud. And there's a bunch of benefits there, of course. Um, so again, why that um, can be inherently painful is um, when you're working on a team, you're going to have developer machines uh, up, updated or not on different versions of like Xcode and Android's um, tools and all that kind of thing. What we provide with that is, is a single source of truth for building your Ionic app and packaging in that into um, the native binaries. You know, basically the iOS and Android um, app, you know, apps. So basically, we do all the heavy lifting for you. You upload your certificate files for iOS and Android, and we take care of the rest. And you get um, builds done in the cloud, easily linkable and shareable. You avoid complicated build steps and things like that. Um, kind of building off of that, and probably what I especially love is our Ionic deploy service. And so this allows you to um, provide real-time app updates for your users. So traditionally, when you're deploying updates through the stores, you know you have Apple's App Store and Google Google Google's um, Google Play uh, Store, as you probably know. Um, there is a, uh, especially on Apple side, can be a little bit painful because you have um, one to many days. It's an it's an unknown amount of time of a review process, and, yeah. you know, you might face rejections there. If things aren't 100% perfect with Apple, then then you can hit, run into issues there. And, and, you know, the one flip side of that, of course, is that it ensures quality is high, right? That makes sense. But um, oftentimes the, the reality is when you're building a business or when you, when you have uh, a mission-critical app for your users, um, speed and agility matters, you know, especially in this day and age. And, you know, whether it's a new feature you're really excited about pushing out or more than likely bugs happen, right? No one's yeah. perfect. Software developers, it's just inevitable. So you want to be able to get those out fast. And when you have uh, App Store release delays like that, that can be, you know, really not so great. You know, it can really affect your app's appearance and um, all sorts of things like that. So what our deploy service does is allow you to um, deploy HTML, JavaScript, or CSS updates, basically any of your web assets and images, things like that, um, can be deployed via our cloud service and, and basically skip that review process. Now, okay. the, native, the native update, so if you add a new plugin or have anything that um, changes the app itself, that's still, uh, we're not able to bypass that, and that's probably a good thing, but um, that still goes to the regular review process, but um, again, what's really neat about this, we see all different types of use cases from customers, 
You can do um, change content. So if you have different images or marketing kind of things you want to change in the app um, that are really, you know, not function functionality or code, that's that's one way to easily update those. Um, but if you have things like bug fixes or new features, you can launch those in there. And we even had customers run um, sort of A-B tests where, you know, users can opt in to new changes or kind of like we have um, alphas and betas, et cetera, with, with source projects or other SDKs or other products. You can run those kind of tests as well in your app or, or push those changes out to your users. So really, as you, as you might imagine, with using package and deploy in, ta in tandem is a, is a very popular option. Um, you know, make, again, creating those builds in the cloud and then deploying, um, you know, up, app updates in real time to them. Um, okay. The last, okay. The last, go ahead. I, 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 the last one, the monitor here. Yeah, yeah. And the last one, you know, I think also kind of buttons up our whole solution um, pretty well. It's our um, runtime error monitoring service, Ionic Monitor. Yeah. So <clears throat> what's really neat about this is we, we take we take a look at um, and have the ability to track uh, errors and bugs that happen in your code um, in real time. So as soon as you deploy an app, you know maybe um, with you package up an app using Ionic Package and it's deployed through the stores. Um, traditionally, getting good good um, feedback like stack traces and other um, details about where bugs are happening, where exceptions are being thrown has been kind of challenging with your, um, you know, from the app, like App Store or Google Play. Um, they have some of that info, but it's it's not necessarily Ionic specific and, and doesn't lean to our strengths. So, um, and to, you know, kind of the hybrid app development experience that we're used to with Ionic. So with this particular solution, we get you get um, emails that are sent out right away as soon as a, uh, a bug, like an exception has been triggered. Um, and it's part of our, our SDK that you can add to your app, um, and we even give you an API that allows you to um, send errors and track other types of data uh, through this service. And, and so you get basically when you have the, those weird edge case buses, bugs that are only happening with 5% of your users per se, um, you're going to be able to catch those and then use deploy, let's say, to fix and you know make those changes and um, shoot out those bug fixes. So really, all kind of cohesively works together. Um, as as you know, the the mobile landscape, especially with Android devices, there's so many different you know device manufacturers and OS versions on Android that are out in the wild. And so having that type of data is what we surface when we catch any kind of errors. You know what the OS is, what the device type is. Um, we let you see your um, which line of code and your TypeScript code in your Ionic app where the issue is, and all of that, even just in my own proof of concept testing or other things I'm doing for blogs, I've seen, I've been able to catch issues in my own little apps and things, and I love it. So I'm, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just a, a excellent uh, kind of service. Yeah, yeah. So the, aside the Ionic Pro, uh, any other service uh, or products uh, that you provide? Um, yeah, currently, unless Adam, you have anything to add to that, I mean, we have some things that are coming we're not ready to talk about just yet. Again, okay. you know, the future is looking pretty good, especially in combo with all the open source work that we do, and we'll keep up uh, with. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun with the, you know, we're developers too. You know, we do a lot of, you know, development. It's fun that a lot of our products come from our own, you know, requirements. And so like we, we like to, most of our, if not all of our products have kind of been dogfooded by us first in our development. And, you know, we've got a couple other projects we're working on right now. It's, it's following the same. So what we work on for our open source stuff always, you know, scales, you know, to everyone. So like, um, that's, that's kind of the fun part of our, of the open source stuff too. Okay, okay. So I, w I would like to know why did you discontinue the notifications uh, service? Yeah, the old push notifications, right? Yeah. 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 Right, right, right. Um, I believe that was was that that was our uh, cloud yeah. offering that was before my yeah. Um, Adam can okay. probably speak to that. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I really I can't. Think I know. Um, well, no, I I, <laughs> I, th I think I can actually speak to that. So. It's my understanding. So that was our offerings around um, push notifications, maybe analytics and other things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you yeah. know, that was um, really an evolution of looking at um, different markets and other cloud offerings. And I think just and kind of what we've been doing with our latest offerings that I just talked about, as well as the open source offerings that Adam mentioned. Um you know, recognizing that we we want to focus on where Ionic as a whole can can provide the best value for you know making apps and, and everything, and recreating um, different services that already exist from other and bigger companies that are that have a larger focus, such as Google, Microsoft, Firebase, all those kind of things. Um, it just I think it didn't make sense to pursue. Those types of things. Yeah. Um, okay. Adam, so it was really more of a, a refocus on, you know, providing the unique specific value and things that those kind of providers aren't going to touch as much. But that make more sense to come from us, the experts. You know, not push okay. notifications, not, you know, those ancillary services you can add and many, many folks do into their apps. But they're already going to be using AWS or other cloud backends. And it's easy enough to add those into your Ionic apps. Yeah, and I think end of the day, you know, we're we still only have so many, you know, time and resources, and we felt our time was best on you know, the pipeline services and and everything that um, Matt had described earlier. I think is more of a value to Ionic users than um, than our past stuff. And this is you now we're still, you know, we're still learning, and, and I think that what we have today is, you know, as nine day more valuable to the Ionic users. Yep. And that's what got me excited to join, honestly, because I. I you know, I was hearing a lot of that when, when I was initially talking to everyone about, you know, the focus and, and around the core experience and doing what Ionic does best for, you know, the web and mobile spaces. And so that's why I got um, incredibly excited. It's good to see. We definitely look at, um, you know, evaluate everything month to month as we go and, and are not afraid to make those kind of changes if necessary, you know, to, for the greater community and for our business as a whole. So that was, uh, I think, really the idea behind that. Okay. okay. Can I get into your personal life, sir? A little. So can you tell us? Uh, are you? Do you have a family? Kids? Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> sure. Sure. A little bit there. Um. Yeah. So I, I'm um, originally from the Chicago area and. Um, had done a, been out in Seattle actually for a few years, just as a brief stint, trying something new, trying the 
I wanted to check out the east or west coast and ended up in Seattle for a little bit. Um, don't have don't have a family yet. Maybe someday soon, but yeah, nothing yet. And um, but recently moved back to Madison, Wisconsin. Um, from the the Midwest originally in the Chicago area, so it's good to be back here. And it kind of lined up with um, me being available to join Ionic. So that's yeah, kind of me at a high level. Yeah. Yeah, and I just uh, born and raised in in Wisconsin. Um, uh, and then yeah, like I was uh, after high school, I would join the military. So I I had a good um, 10 years in the military, and I learned quite a bit there, and people are often shocked that I was <laughs> in the Army for 10 years. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I had two deployments under my belt, um, you know, and then after wow. getting getting back from those deployments, um, I decided to hang up the, hang up the boots. The boots. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I settled back down in, in Madison. That's awesome. All right, all right. Okay, I think that's it. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we uh, bring this to an end? Yeah, look, well, thank you for one. You know, I, I really appreciate, you know, all of the materials, everything, all the great content you can put out online. So that's awesome. And another yep. big, big thanks to the IONA community. Um, that's a, it's a huge motivator, a huge part of, of why we're here is, is everything to do with the, the community and and every day we're in awe of just the awesomeness that you guys you know help us out with and um and we're we're thrilled to work with everyone so please feel free to ping us anytime and um we're happy to to work with the, the community and and keep on building great apps yeah what well, Adam right. thank you yeah. so much everyone out there yeah, thank you <laughs>